1984, I was just 12 years old. That year was the centenary year of the GAA, and Kerry brought home Sam Maguire after a final against Dublin. And now, again, congratulations to Kerry, and I present the cup to their captain, Ambrose O'Donnell. It was also the beginning of a journey for my local club of Castle Island Desmonds in North Kerry. I would see them win the 1985 Senior Men's Club All-Ireland Football title. Yes, yes, yes! There you can see it on the scoreboard! Castle Island Desmonds are All-Ireland champions! They did today what no one thought they would do! Came from behind and there we see the final score up on the scoreboard. Castle Island Desmonds 2-2, St Vincent's of Dublin, 7 points. The story you're about to hear features people you'll never have heard of, and some you will. It features a small town in North Kerry and a story of a football club that demonstrated it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. Sandwiched between Tralee and Killarney, and six miles from Farnfour Airport, Castle Island is a town that claims to have the widest street in Ireland. We're, we're standing on, on the Limerick Road, locals call it Park Road, and when I was a child it was our way, on, on, on the way to the, the local football field. Cordell and Brosna uh, uh, to the right, and um, up Longeroon, the famous Longeroon that Con Hoolan often wrote about, and the, the, it's a road well travelled today by, by people going to Crag Caves. At, at the time of the 1985 championship, Mike Rook was in that pub across the road, Toss Kellers, it was known as, the, I don't know if it, was, if it was known as the half battle at the time, but the one, of, one of my outstanding memories of that time is all the pubs in town, they were absolutely packed, jam-packed for the, I could say, maybe a week, certainly the week after. There wasn't a tap done anywhere. John Reedy is a local born and bred journalist who knows what it means to be from the island. We have our own character, but I think that's defined by music and things like that. I think where the place that you grow up um, defines you. There was a castle here and all of us grew up with the legend of that and what was there and what was around it and what it caused and and what it became and what the town became because of it and that kind of thing. I think if we have an inferiority complex is that we think everybody else is nearly as good as us. We were, the, we were once the, and I think we still are the cultural capital of the county anyway. You know, we were the, we were the seat of Desmond and stuff like that. We were the capital of the, of, of the, we were the seat of power once upon a time. John, where, where we're walking now in, in Castle Island Town, there's a lovely aroma of what would be, I suppose, known by rough-speaking people as cow shit. Uh, why, why is that? Well, just simply because you're in the middle of cow shit country. <laughs> Castle Island has a population of around 2,000. The neighbouring villages that surround us view us as townies. The bigger teams in Killarney and Tralee view us as country boys. During the 1984-85 campaign that led to our All-Ireland success, we had to beat the big clubs in Kerry, then progress to beating Cork champions St Finbars, Connacht champions Clannagale, and ultimately St Vincent's of Dublin in the final. Still one of the leading club teams in the country. It was undoubtedly a David and Goliath journey, and we were still only an intermediate team. Like any club around the country, things began to change for us when we got a good manager. Jack Nolan was chairman of Castle Island Desmonds in the early 1980s. Morning, Jack. Morning, Dan. How are you? How are you getting on, boy? Just have the... Jeez, there's some day out there, isn't it? Yes. Oh, 
No mountain climbing today? No, 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 no. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you have the skis, uh, the skis on your leg. I suppose who's the catalyst to all the success really was Dave Ganey, uh, Dr. Dave Ganey, came back to Castle Island. And he had been, as I said, in middle. And he brought, uh, he brought the expertise and the belief, and he brought a bit of structure uh, into the whole scene. And Now, prior to that, there was very little organised training or anything as such, which is hard to imagine nowadays, but even things were so disorganised, like at half-time, fellas would put out a packet of fags or some fellas a card for a book to get sick into it. You know, it was just completely social... But then Dave introduced a, a, a structure and a training regime. Dave Ganey, or Dr Dave as he was known, first lined out for Castle Island Desmonds at just 13 years of age. He quickly moved up through the playing ranks, going on to win two senior All-Ireland medals with Kerry. Also played with UCC while studying to become a doctor. So when he came back to Castle Island, he knew what it took to become a good manager came naturally to me, I suppose I had developed in UCC where the, uh, the students themselves ran the team and I was involved in all of the UCC teams that I would have been there and um, would have developed a kind of um, an interest in, in managing teams at that stage. And uh, ever since I joined, we said, came home, then I naturally enough fell into taking it over, you know. For anyone who's part of a GAA team, you'll already be aware for those of you who aren't, know this. Success doesn't come out of nowhere. And when success does arrive, there's an almost encyclopedic knowledge, no matter how many years passed, of how and why success came around. In the case of my club, Damo Kierdewan, a teak tough blonde-haired cornerback, can still remember when Dr Dave laid out his managerial approach. A full seven years before, we won the 1985 All-Ireland Club title. Uh, 76 and 77, we had Ned Kelly and Dennis Tomey and Doc, they were selectors. And in 78, then, we couldn't get selectors. The boys had their two-year term done and they were, they were enough of it. We didn't actually achieve anything in both those years. We had a, an Arcade League one in 75, and we came on 78 and, uh, and they do call a players' meeting. And there were no dress rooms or anything, so we had, the meeting was below in the nuns' hall. And Doug said, I think we'll ask Dr Dave to take over the team. And everyone was agreeable. Doug had it set up anyway. So Dave was on the outside of the door. And he came in, he went up to the blackboard. Ambition is number one thing, lads. That was his, one of his first statements. You must have ambition. You must have a target. You must want to win something. Don't be going through the motions. There's a team here if you have ambition. One of the first appointments Dr Dave made as manager was to appoint Donald Duke O'Connor as physical trainer of the team. When I think back in all the training, um, pitch would have been a bit softer. We did a lot of training down where the community college is now and on very heavy ground. But, I, you know, here every fellow was doing it. Uh, no matter if the fellow looked at his right or his left, he knew his body was there. So there was no shirking in that sense. Yeah. And we did a lot of uh, training down there during the week with makeshift lights. And then, you know, 
under the guidance of Duke again, you know, who was very good, who was way ahead of his time as regards uh, his ability to take training on board and take uh, what needed to be done. Training has been the same always, just doing it is the important thing, and we did it. With Dr Dave in situ, a couple of other things were beginning to go the team's way. A young Charlie Nelligan was after cementing his way onto the Kerry senior team. He can still remember his coming of age with the club when they were playing county rivals, the Killarney team of Dr Crooks. The man who was a great help to me altogether was, was, was Timmy O'Sullivan. Timmy had played for Kerry in 1962 in Ireland and Timmy um, used to play a full-back. I remember we played Crooks and I was only about 16, I think, in the county championship here in Castle Island, the pitch, and, and uh, Timmy was playing full-back in front of me. I remember a high ball coming in on top of me at one stage and I caught it inside and I think one of the cabinets came in and Jesus, he nearly took the head off me. But I cleared out the ball anyway. Just as I was clearing out the ball, a man turned around after me and Timmy hit him. Jesus, he, he put him into the back of the net. With the, and I tell you, ever since that day, then I was never afraid of anything, you know. And uh, he just gave me such great confidence that I would never be touched inside that. He made me comfortable inside in goals and he used to be praising me and all that sort of stuff, you know. Dr Dave knew that to succeed in 1980s club football, physical aggression had to be part of the team. Willie Dam O'Connor was wing forward on Castle Island Desmond's team at that time. A small, light, left-legged player who had great pace, jet black hair and wore his socks up. And jersey in. North Kerry, I suppose, served us well because it toughened us up for the battles that we had in Munster and in the All-Ireland campaign against the likes of uh, Fettered and the clan of Gale of Roscommon. But when I started out playing, I remember one of my earliest memories, I suppose, was the 1979 North Kerry League final against my van. And the first game we played against them was a drawn game out in Ballybunnan. And an incident took place probably halfway through the second half in that game where Brendan Bruston was coming up with the ball and was knocked and fell to the ground and there was a bit of a shamage and he got a kick in the head and there was a bit of a free-for-all for four or five minutes. But the game finished in a draw anyway and uh, the replay was the following Sunday, which was the Sunday before Christmas. So after 11 o'clock mass, the Sunday of the game, the manager, Dr Dave, called a meeting below in the nuns' convent. After the mass, we all went in and sat down on the discs and the manager was at the board with his piece of chalk in his hand and he said, one instruction, one instruction only. If anything happens today, if the Myvan fellas start anything, our tactic is 1-15, to 15, turn and hit your man. And I can guarantee you one thing, that will sort the bullies out and we won't be beaten. It was enough that they beat us physically the Sunday before, but they weren't going to do it the second time. As far as I know, Dama was captain on the day. So we were tagging out, and uh, the memory I have of it is Duke's father, Jimine, rubbing wintergreen his own special portions into fella's legs on a cold December Sunday before Christmas and there was little drops of putteen being passed around to rub into the wintergreen and fellas were taking a little swig here and there. Damo said to the team before he left last Sunday he said there was blackguarding went down out in that field and it won't happen today and as he was talking he struck the wall with his fist and he said no my van man will blackguard a teammate of mine today. And as he led us out with the ball under his arm, I could see his knuckles and the blood running down his fingers. And from that minute on, I knew that we were going to handle my van and we were going to beat him because every fellow was going to stand up to my van 
and that's how it finished out. That match changed the mindset of the Desmonds team at the time. That fearlessness would stand them over the years. The route for Castle Island Desmonds to All-Ireland success began in a 1984 Kerry County League game. They had to finish in the top four league places to gain access to the county club championship. And, in a game against Beaufort, it was nearly all over before it began. Mikey, the legend O'Connor, takes up the story. One of the things that stands out to me in, in, in the whole journey was to actually qualify for the club championship that year. We had to win in Beaufort and we were down six or seven points. And Dr. Dave turned to a player who will remain nameless now because he, is, he was a fantastic servant to the club. But he was a very pragmatic man as well. And uh, Dave turned to me and says, come on, he said, uh, warm up there, you're going in. And he turned around to Dave and he said to Dave, Dave, I'm around long enough now to know when we're beaten. And he refused to go on. But as it happened, I think Christy Carney got a goal. Then we got another pint and another pint and another pint. And we were, before we knew it, there was only about six or seven minutes left. We were level and the last pint was kicked by Dinny Porter, who didn't finish out the year with us, I'd say, afterwards. He broke his hand or something. But he kicked a pint from about 50 yards up into the sky. It was up way over the top of the post. The sun was setting. It was getting a bit dark in the evening. And no one... With all the excitement, the flag was put up. But today, I believe, it was about two yards wide. And that was the winning point that qualified us to get into the club championship. That's where we started from, that lowly point, winning a county league game back in Beaufort to just quali- to get into a qualifying group in the league to qualify for the All-Ireland Club. And that, we went on to win the All-Ireland Club from there. So I think that, that is, from a ball that was probably about two yards wide, so that that is... Um, that always, you know, I always think of that. If you don't have luck, you, you, you know, you have to have luck. Club football training has changed a lot today, and yet a lot has remained the same. Duke, the trainer of the 1985 team, and Willie Dom, the wing forward in that team, are at a current day training session of the Desmonds. Well, our pre-season was always a good few Sundays back in Banna, where you suffered on the sand dunes and fellas just go for a bit of a swim afterwards to, to refresh and any fellow who was out Saturday night uh, certainly suffered Sunday morning and you'd often see fellas down their hands and knees when, when we were halfway through but we had a lot of uh, very good athletes who set the pace so it kept it fairly keen and that's something we used to do the, the, the sprinting down? To run down, give you 30 seconds. We used to run from the top of the field down to the end there. Do you know where the goals are there? You, if, the faster you got down, the longer the, the recovery time you had. And then back up again, you got your, we used to do six of those. We started at 30, we started actually at 40 seconds to run from there down to here, to the, 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 the pitch of the actual playing pitch, the whole lot. You could walk down if you like, and if it took you 38 seconds, but you'd have to be ready again and the blow the whistle and fought there to go back up. Now, we got it down to, um, to 30, and that was fairly shaving it, because the tongues used to be out of going down one, up two, three, four, five, and back up. I tell you, you'll be down in your hunkers above, like your, your chest would be burning and your legs would be 
Do you know how much they were able to do it? Like, they were able to do it in God bless them. Yeah. They're playing a sort of a game here, Willie Dam. Uh, hand passing and, and kick passing. I suppose there's a couple of different elements to this. There's, there's kick passing, there's punch passing, there's attacking work and defensive work. And as you can hear from them now, like, it is fairly energy sapping as well because there's a lot of motor breath. There's a pile of running in it, isn't there? A lot it's, of all, running. it's all ball, like. Yeah, it's all ball, it's all hand passing, it's all kicking, it's all give and go, and it's all one on one. So it's, it's pretty realistic with, with a game situation, really, you know, it's, it's what happens in a game. And would you have done that kind of stuff when you're there? Something similar is what uh, I would say. It's a different version of backs and forwards, which we probably played an awful lot of. But uh, this is, a, I presume, a more modern version of what we used to. And there's lots of nice yellow cones and blue cones and red cones and every kind of thing. Did you have a variety of different colours in your day? No, I'm afraid we didn't have any cones or these poles or anything like that. We had instructions from Duke and you followed your instructions. You, you may have had a few flags here and there. But we worked off the the 14 yard line or the 21 yard line or things like that. But certainly there there wasn't as much equipment out in the field in our time as there is now. Whilst things were beginning to really gel on the field for the Castle Island Desmonds team of 1984, the off the field camaraderie was just as important. Billy Keane, son of John B. Keane in the neighbouring town of Listole, knew many of the Castle Island players. Yeah, I played against the lads all the way through underage, same age as Charlie and Elegan and a good few of them. Um, the one thing about the Desmonds was that no point starting a row with the Desmonds. You know, if things were going bad with 10 minutes to go, it was a great tradition not carry to start the row. But there was no point in doing that with the Desmonds because you'd always come off worse. And I think that's what kind of brought them through. They had great footballers through, but it was that absolute savage determination they were going to win, you know. The lads, they were all a great crack as well. They were mad for stopping in places like Roaches, uh, Lara Compal on the way home from matches. Like they'd nearly go out of their way. It was a ritual with them. And uh, they had a lovely sense of irony and humour always. Uh, uh, like ourselves in the stall, they're townies. They're quintessential townies. I know they brought a few lads in from the country occasionally. But uh, Mikey Connor, the legend as he was known, uh, uh, Mikey, Mikey kind of summarised what Castle Island was all about. Full of full of quick quotes, uh, full of witticisms, uh, self-depreciating humour. They were always at each other. They were always slagging each other. You could have been the man of the match uh, in the All-Ireland club final and they'd probably remind you of the day you fell off your bike eating an ice cream trying to impress some girl walking down the, walking down the street in Castle Island. That's what it was. Uh, I think that bond that they had off the pitch, which was unusual, they weren't all hugging each other and telling each other they were great, uh, it stood to them on the pitch because they were very much from a kind of a, an enclosed space. They were like an enclave. Like when they came over to North Kerry to play matches, I used to say they, were, they weren't they were quite ethnic North Kerry. And they were usually blackguarded by the referees because they were from the other side of a mountain. And it, I think they were trying to show everyone they, they were special. And they were. You know, they were an incredible team. Castle Island had built a reputation that preceded them, particularly on a physical level. Neighbouring teams knew that they faced a tough battle when lining out against the Desmonds. And arch-rivals, Gunivgula, were no exception. My name is Ambrose O'Donovan. I was a Kerry captain in 1984, the centenary year. Played club football for Gunivgula all my life and 
would have played the last of tough battles with the Desmonds. Well, I suppose for me, I, I think uh, personally, where we played against Desmonds from, we'll say, 77, 78, 80 up along, they always struck me as being a very united team. They were very difficult to beat. They had a few men, all right, I suppose, with that maybe what you would call over inflated egos. But I mean, that's good in the team as well. But they had very good footballers. But for a club side, for a town team, I think they had great hat. We always, in Guinea Guilla, we all respected our hat. I said our hat will take us along the way. Desmond's had that hat as well in abundance. But they also did very good footballers. You know, they had a few very individually talented, real good footballers that should have made Kerry. Mike Connell won in question. I mean, Mike was very unlucky. He was probably one of the best midfielders in the county at that stage. Their forwards were good as well. And I suppose Charlie and Goals was driving him all. He'd drive him all simply, I think, at times. He would roar and shout at him. But I mean, he let them know he was around as well. So that, that went right through that team. The only other thing about them really, like, was, I suppose, the, they were a town team. But were they a country team, really, Ambrose? Well, you see, we always said, <laughs> we we you let's pass an idea about being a country team anyway. We was kind of, that, that, that was our big battle cry, you know, the countrymen versus the townies. That was, yeah, you were dead right. I think that was, that was, that was a country element to, to, to Castell and Desmond's. Of course there was. I mean, you know, they were all hard workers. You know, they were strong men. And, 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 and you know, there, were, there was no soft. You know, you know you'd long ago you'd say the Tony, he'd be soft. There was no soft in the Desmond's. You couldn't afford to carry soft, I think. To go as far as they did and do what they did, you, you could, they couldn't afford the, the, the luxury of having softies, I think. They were all tough, I think. They all knew what it was, you know, to get hit and they were, they were able to hit. And uh, play at the level they did, they had to be, they had to be tough. Castle Island Desmond's had started out their football season in March 1984. After playing well over a dozen games from March to October of that year, they'd made it through to the county club final, where they first drew with Jack O'Shea's St Mary's of Car Savine, subsequently beating them in the replay on November the 18th, 1984. Go, go, go! Get away! All the way! In a quirk which is difficult to understand these days, the 1984 Desmond's team were actually only an intermediate team, the grade below senior, and didn't win the county championship proper. In fact, they never did. But, given that they'd competed in and won the Senior Club County Championship, that allowed them progress to the All-Ireland Club stages. First up was a meeting in early December with Feathered from Tipperary in the Munster Club semi-final. Not much is remembered from that game, apart from one incident, which wing forward Willie Dam O'Connor recalls. We had to travel down to Feathered in Tipperary. And uh, we probably got victory that day from the jaws of defeat. It was a fine, tough affair, but uh, Donny Buckley, I believe, that was the day that, that he broke his cheekbone, I think, and played in the Munster final with a hurling helmet, and he said, against St. Fembarras a couple of weeks later. The club captain during the 1984-85 campaign was Billy Lines. Paddy Hurley, he was closely involved at that time, I knew Billy Long before he became captain. Uh, there was a girl in my class in North Nagash and she was what we called a stunner. She was stunalling. And she was a local girl in the village, Margot Connolly. She was just fab. We, I just thought she was just amazingly good looking and a lovely, lovely girl. And her parents were great friends with my parents as well at the time. And lo and behold, who started romancing Margot Connolly? Only Billy Lines. And I suppose we were all in awe of them, like, and they were a lovely, lovely couple. And they romanced very young. And, uh, you know, they, 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 she was by his side when he went to college in Cork and he worked hard, played his football, uh, reared a family that were young enough at the time. And uh, was was great to study. Became qualified as as a solicitor, and he had a marvelous personality. He was just everybody 
was friends with Billy because he just oozed with, with personality. He was a rogue as well, loved a bit of crack and he was totally dedicated to the, the football scenario. My God, did he train. And he was very busy like as, as, as a solicitor. And, and despite all that, he never missed training. God, he was a great captain, led by example, but a character as well, you know. And, and uh, he was a guy that just got on with everyone. He had one of those characters that he, you could never follow with Billy. He, he got on with everyone. You know, he was a bit like his own father, I suppose. His mother was lovely too. But his own father had Willie Lyons, who was a great businessman here in Castle Island, as is Dinino, of course, who took over the reins. Uh, but great, friendly people, mixed with everyone and treated everybody on the same level. That was the one thing I liked about Billy. Everybody was treated the same. It didn't matter what your role in life was. You were the same to Billy Lyons. It didn't matter if you were a doctor or if you were a waiter or a block player. It didn't matter. Billy was your friend and that was it, you know. In 1991... Unbeknownst to his teammates, Billy had been struggling and his life ended suddenly and tragically at home. Something that the team of that time never recovered from. However, at the Munster Club final in November 1984, Billy was at the centre of everything good about Desmond's. Dr Dave knew that if they were to beat the best team in Cork, they had to have their homework done. Over the previous few years, Dr Dave had arranged behind-closed-door games with Cork Lynchpins, Nemo Rangers. They needed to know what was different about Cork club football, and earlier that year, they had beaten Nemo for the first time. They now understood how to handle a Cork team. They were great friends with Billy Morgan, and he'd set up these challenge matches. We'd be playing Nemo. And I tell you, if we didn't learn from them, you'll learn from no one. They'd stand up no heel, they'd every trick in the book without being caught. Oh, I'd be learning away these little things. And annihilating them in 84. Just took them apart. Because we learned from their way of playing. And we set off then, it was the bars beat Nemo. So we, we tackled the bars then, most of the final. St Finbars were a huge Cork City GAA team and had household names like Dave Barry and Jimmy Barry Murphy. Desmonds were the rank outsiders. Few gave them hope. By half-time, they were in the lead and in control. An old VHS tape where Castle Island man Paddy Hurley interviews Michal Murray Hurtig gives some sense of the shock that was on the cards. Uh, Desmond's to win by seven or eight points. They played very good football in that first half. They moved the ball better than said Finn Bars. Mikey Connell's playing exceptionally well at midfield. So was after at centre back, and I think the bringing out of Dermot Hannafin. That had a big bearing on the two scores that Desmond's got in the first half. I think they should win well, Paul. Mihal, one final word on this match. Could you give me a forecast of a score? Uh, I'd say about 110 to maybe about six points. Mihal, I'm going to take a meal market. And on that blustery Sunday, Desmonds wouldn't quite win by the margin Michal predicted, but they did win out on the scoreline of 2-6 to 9 points, their first ever Munster title. And there we have the staunch captain Billy Lyons about to accept the cup now on behalf of the Castle. And there he is, Billy Lyons. And now there'll be a speech from the captain. We keep it nice and short. Firstly, to the man who has brought us all the way for the last 10 years, and I'm sure we'll carry us again for the next 10 years. Dear Dedicated trainer always, and will be in the future, I'm sure. Don't look on it. 
With their Munster title on board, the Desmond's team and supporters could enjoy their 1984 Christmas. Training started up again in January 1985. Dr Dave was meticulous in his approach. As a result of their Munster title, they now had all their playing gear sponsored. So new togs, boots, bags, shorts and socks. James Chessie Cronin, a lifelong Desmond's man, retired from playing in the 1970s. He could never have imagined that within a few short years, his team would be so well kitted out. In my time, you, you might have an old bag that belonged to your mother if you were bringing messages to town to try your old boots into it. That was it. I remember one time there was a woman up in Desmond's Avenue, she made a togs for me, the late Mrs. Broderick. She, um, she made a togs for me out of a flower bag. And my God, it was, it was fine to have it. It was nice and white, you know. It was, I was as good as the rest of them then. I had a pair of boots in me. They were called Heinelis. They were, they were a brown pair of leather boots with pads and boat ankles. And by God, was there a top on that boot. And every time I'd hit that pigskin, it, it, it kind of bulged, taken off. You know, they were the best bit of work that ever came into the town. Like, they were, they were, they were good. Uh, socks mightn't be the same. The two socks mightn't be the same. I often looked out the field and see a fellow with a pair of grey socks outside. And I often looked out and see a fellow with no pair of socks inside in his boots. With ten weeks passed since their Munster title, in mid-February 1985, in the All-Ireland semi-final, Castle Island Desmonds hosted the Connacht champions, Clonagh Gale, from Roscommon. Desmonds were, yet again, rank outsiders. I can still remember walking up with my 12-year-old friends to what was the biggest game ever held in Castle Island. Desmonds played poorly on the day. Even my 12-year-old self gave up any hope of them winning the replay. Ambrose O'Donovan was at the game as well. Well, for me, I, 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 I met Gay McManus go out the gate after that match, and I think Conor Gale would delight to go out the gate. Now, Desmonds had played poorly, and I, I, I think everyone was, all the neutrals go out that they expected, you know, Desmonds, you know, to Conor Gale to beat them in their home patch, because at the time, Conor Gale were a good football side. But for me, that match, to go up to Clannagale and beat them above, that was a fantastic victory because very, very few teams, if any, had done that before. The replay took place one week later in Clannagale's home pitch in Johnstown County, Roscommon. Desmond's goalkeeper, Charlie Nelligan, can remember the game even before it began. I remember when we were above in the semi-final and above there, it was a fierce windy day altogether and, and uh, I put out my hand to one of them to shake hands before the ball was thrown in and the next thing I got, there was a, there was a bit of water on the pitch but I had to stand it that morning. I got a fish to... I fished his hand into the eye. You know, that was a good wake-up call after about 30 seconds before the bar was thrown in. But, kind of, you know, these things that happened. <laughs> it was easy to talk to him after. Desmond's won on a scoreline of 2-6 to 8 points. In one week's time, on March 24, 1985, the All-Ireland Club final would be held in Tipperary Town. Desmond's were due to meet St Vincent's, the kingpins of Dublin football. Desmond's midfielder, Mikey O'Connor, was in his early 30s that year. A big, tall, athletic and strong man. He clearly remembers the run-up to the All-Ireland final, but not for the reasons you think. Clon and Gale were an amazing group of individuals. I'd say they were a bit like ourselves. They were a very close-knit group. There was a lot of them related to each other. But they were amazing. To me, they were the greatest GA team, one of the greatest great teams of all time, if not the greatest. I mean, they went to six All-Ireland finals. I know they didn't win one, but they, they, were, they were a fantastic outfit. But after the match... They had a spread inside in the dressing room. Now, the dressing rooms were basic. They had a table. Up on the table were sandwiches, beer as much as you could drink. 
they treated us like royalty. They were after being beaten in the All Ireland semi final. They came in there and they treated us like as if we were guests in their place. It was a lesson for everybody anywhere in sport. Now, as it happened, having the few beers there, one thing led to another, and some fellow insisted in taking taking us to see a bunch of us to see some new club rooms that were after being built by maybe St Bridges or some other club in the area. They were fantastic, so. But between the jigs and the reels, when we got back, there was a misunderstanding, and all the cars for Kerry were gone, and my brother Johnny and John Lorden found themselves stranded in Johnstone. But fortunately for them, Michal Murahertig, I don't know whether he was working at the match or not, but he was there with Morris Reedy. Now, Morris would have been there to support us anyway, as he would have trained a lot of us in, in Dublin initially. Uh, they were still around, so the best they could do for them was take them to Dublin. And the following day, they turned around and got a bus to Newlands Cross and thumbed down to Kerry. Now, after an All-Ireland semi-final and a final coming up within six or seven days, here were the two lads <laughs> thumbed to Kerry. And another curious incident about that was they were stuck for hours somewhere. All of a sudden, car pulls up and it was Dunnock Doolin. He had to branch off for charleville direction out of limerick and he said lads he said i'd love to take you i've never had such an entertaining journey in my own car he said i'd love to take you all the way but i had he had to be in cork or something for some some other business of his own so he left him out there and eventually the lads continued thumbing and they arrived in castle island we were still celebrating this will tell you the difference in times we were out in in White Rooks pub in the in the top of the town, and there was a gang of us in there, and we were singing and everything. And the two lads arrived in at nine o'clock, have a thumbed all the way from Dublin, and they got a mighty reception. <laughs> uh, wouldn't happen today, I think. The current coach for Mayo senior footballers is Donny Buckley, who back in his playing days lined out for Castle Island Desmonds at full forward. That time, sure, the, the most of the All Ireland semi final was played every Monday, and the final was played seven days later. And sure, every, every fella had a few pints after beating Clannagale. When Damo Lyon got the two goals above, he jumping on the table, and the, and the All Ireland, you never think the All Ireland final was five days later. I didn't even realise it was five days later until the, the Thursday before the game. The game is on Sunday. Getting a phone call above in Dublin from Billy from Billy Lyons. The game is on Sunday, and this was Thursday. I remember the day we, when we went to Tipperary Town to play that day. We, our speech was in the railway hotel in Limerick. Dr. Dave gave a brilliant speech, but he says, go away for a walk, you know, the way David said. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying prayers with Martin Downey. We went for a prayer below in the Redemption. I don't think it was the Redemption. It was a church in the main street in Limerick anyway. Said a few prayers inside there before we went back up to the hotel again. I said, maybe I might have lit a candle as well. I'd always say prayers before games. I still do, even when I'm going travelling up to me, and I'd say prayers in the car, going up, look, hopefully things will go well and everything's go well for the players. Like The venue for the All-Ireland Club final in 1985 was Tipperary Town. With thousands of supporters travelling from Castle Island, they easily outnumbered their opponent's supporters from Dublin champion St Vincent's. The bookies had St Vincent's at 1-5 to five on favourites to win the game. Whilst this was the biggest and best game I'd ever attended, the St Vincent's players of Pat Canavan, Vincent Conroy and Brian Mullins remember it somewhat differently. Certainly the letdown wasn't a particularly nice day. I don't think it was a nice pitch. My recollection then of remembering the, the dressing room has been pretty crappy, really. Uh, no facilities in them. I don't, was there even was, a shower was, in them? I'm not sure. It was, I can remember it not one not being big enough for the squad we had and I have a, I have a recollection of, of coat stands or it was like a 
like a school hall or a, a church hall and they had a load of furniture and bits and pieces half taken up the dressing room and we used the other half so it was very iggly piggly and there was no real room for probably 25 of us I'd imagine but we, we would have known some things about Castle Island Destinies we would have watched their progress in previous rounds of the competition uh, we didn't go into the game completely uh, oblivious to their potential uh, to beat us or, or give us a good game so we I wouldn't say I, I my memory wouldn't be that we went down you know, cocky or anything like that, you know. After all, they, they were carry men. So that was enough <laughs> to kind of put you on your guard. And then it was a country venue. Maybe if it had been Crow Park, we might have felt a little bit more confident. We now move down where we see the Castle Island team about to pose for a team photograph down here. And as they do, we'll give you their line out. They're an unchanged team from the team that took the field against Ross Common Giles in the replayed semi-final at Johnstown just six days ago. In goals is Charlie Nelligan. Full back line, Dermot O'Keefe de Moyne, Billy Lyons, who is the captain, and Will Z. King. Half back line, Denny Lyons, brother of the captain, Billy. Michael John Carney, brother of the star centre forward, Christy Carney. And Domo Lyons, son of the famous Tiggy Lyon, is not playing at number seven. He's actually playing up at wing forward. Centre field will be Mikey Connor and Pa Callaghan. Half forward line will be Willie Dom, Christy Carney and Damo Line. Full forward line, Philip Bohoroin, Donny Buckley and Johnny O'Connor, brother of Mikey O'Connor. So there we have the team. Before the game even began, St Vincent's had pulled into a nearby pitch en route down from Dublin to do a pretty intense warm-up session. Out there we see the captain of the team, Brian Mullins. Brian told me on the way in that they had a workout in Bantry this morning where they played their own junior team. This has seemed to be a fad of Dublin team down through the years. They warm up before a game, often an hour before a game, and they feel it does them good. Well, time alone will tell. We are now waiting for Billy Lyons to move up the field here where he's coming, and there they are rigged out in their green and gold rig. Because Desmond's and Vincent's had the same club colours, for the final, they both lined out in their county colours. So Desmond swapped their white and blue for brand new green and gold Kerry jerseys. Vincent's on the other hand were left a little short changed, having only well-worn Dublin under 21 jerseys on offer. Whether the gods were aligned before the ball was ever thrown, who's to know? But Desmond's were physically fresher and fashionably fresher than their Dublin opponents. And up here the wine, Paul McLaughlin pulls it across the dealers run across the square where it's well held by Charlie. Charlie loses it. And he's fouled, yes, 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 a charge on the goalie as referee Pat Cameron rushes in. Charlie's line stretched on the lawn. And he's having a chat with number 14. The match itself, played in windy conditions, was a poor enough game. With just three minutes remaining, Castle Island had registered three scores, one goal and two points, while rivals Vincent's had seven points to their name. However, in the dying moments of the game, history would be made. Places the ball for the kick out, and time is now ticking away. Oh, Cast Island, you're going to have to score. I still have confidence in you, you can do it. The ball is played back to Hannafin, and Big DJ, he'll try a lobber. He's kicking for touch. He does, into the middle of the square. He's facing out here towards the sideline, going for the sideline, and it's a sideline ball for Cast Island Desmond. One and a half minutes now, the crowd shout to Willie Dom over the bar. Martin Downey will take it. Will he float it in, or will he take a fine? He's looking. Come on, Martin! He lobs, sits high. It's in! It's a goal for Desmond! It's a goal for Desmond! And they have taken the lead! Oh my, oh my! What a goal! The winning goal scorer that day was Donny Buckley. 
I looked at the sideline ball and looked Martin Downey hit come on the field and that time the sideline balls were taken off the ground I just remember jumping up getting a flick at it next thing turned the back of the net and Brian Mullins was standing beside me and I don't know what he said or how he said anyway but we met a few years later and we shook hands with him. And my memory of that section goal would be that it was a sideline ball and I actually was the one he didn't punch it into the net he tried to get his hand to it it was me that knocked it into the net so I would put it down as an own goal that would be my memory of it After the game was over and Captain Billy Lyons had given his speech, the crowd slowly made their way home, everyone travelling in separate cars. Mikey, the legend O'Connor. I remember driving out of Tipperary Town and give, kind of put things in perspective. It must have been around six-ish or maybe before six, but Jimmy McGee came on. He was doing the Sunday sport on, on, on RTE and maybe the news was all when the sport came on and we had Dr Dave I was in Dr Dave's car but he turned on the radio anyway the news came on and the next thing in the sports and the first thing that came out in the sports was and Castle Island Desmonds are all Ireland Cup champions Castle Island Desmonds of Kerry the new Ireland club football champions they had shots St Vincent of Dublin by a single we started punching the roof of the car all of us had roared if anyone heard us anyone's passing by we were roaring out the windows you know it had sunk that's when it sunk in and we were actually driving away from the place and just couldn't believe it it was something huge for such a small small town and even to go down the town during those times I mean like you know we came home on the, on, on the night after the match there was, there was bonfires obviously coming in I remember the top of the hill and things like that but you know I suppose it wasn't expected really you know a lot of people and that's the one thing about Desmond they never took it for granted there was no cockiness in them and that's the great thing when you go into a game as underdogs you just don't have time to think about the win like yeah, the following Friday night, there was an open-top truck that took them down through the town. The place was jointed. I can remember being at that parade and the unbridled joy that broke up the bleakness of the mid-1980s in a small Kerry town. That senior 1985 Club All-Ireland title is the only one in the history of our club. The players and management of that time did something no one expected of them. For young boys like myself coming up through the club, it gave us a belief that we too could one day be champions. As to where All-Ireland club success ranks in the pantheon of GAA, our only inter-county star on that 1985 team and holder of 12 All-Ireland medals is goalkeeper Charlie Nelligan. Where do you keep your medals? I have the medals inside and uh, out of the way. <laughs> I, have them on, I have them on in a plaque, would you believe that? The All-Ireland club is up to the very top. That is a lovely, lovely thing to have, and as I say, they can never take it off you, and they're very hard to get. You know, there's 32 counties in Ireland, but there's, there's uh, how many clubs in each of those counties, like? You know, so to get one of those is really, really special. For the rest of the lads in the team, many of whom hold just that one and only All-Ireland medal, corner forward Philip Horn sums up the legacy of their playing days. It's something that you'll always say, God, you know, we were good. And then people say, who do you play with? And I always said to the lads, always said, I played with the best team in Ireland. 
you know, I played with the best team in Ireland. Nobody can ever say you didn't. And that's fantastic, you know, to be able to say that I played with the best team in Ireland. Actually, I'm a middle of the board. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.